Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome, host, Dr. Paula Price. <laughs> I just can't help myself. But you know what? You've said it for like how many years? All of them. Okay. Why <laughs> stop now? Exactly. You know. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what I'm excited about is that we're going to finish what we started. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back to what? Wrath, intercession, <laughs> intervention. Help me, Lord. Woo! Help me, Lord. Class. Help me, Lord. She said to help me, Lord. <laughs> You know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna thank God for what we're doing. Are we on? Right. Uh-uh. But I'm not yet. I want to welcome the, the the you know the family. Blog talk, firstborn. And my firstborn audience, you know, yeah. my firstborn, you know, um, you know, listeners and whatever. So I'm happy. Anyway, but I wanted to talk about this before we go. Oh, we should go on now. Would that be nice? Would you yeah, be happy? Yeah, you know me. See, she knows. She knows. You know, and, and why didn't you stop her? And, You're live. Okay. Live. Does that mean I have to look up? Yes. Okay. If I am live, then I am going to look up. And before we get into our teaching today, because we are resuming our teaching on prayer. So go and tell everybody that you know, prayer is resuming. We're talking about strategic prayer. And so we're just giving you prayer tips. Because this is from a class that is in our university, Price University, where we, we have the whole program called Spiritual Protocratics and Spiritual Intervention. And Prophet Ashley, this is a text. What should they know about spiritual protocratics and spiritual intervention? About the class or the subject? Well, what's coming up? Oh, you have a, yes, Monday. Monday! Monday, Monday, Monday. You are teaching live and in living color, part two of your spiritual intervention class. It will be Monday night at 6? Yes. That sounds right. That sounds uh, good. Here at Price University, also will be available for webinar for those who cannot be in Tulsa or are in Tulsa and cannot get to the university. Okay. You still want to be a part of the class. Love it. Yes. And so, again, day, Monday. What is Monday's day? Yeah. 22nd. 22nd. Yes. We're moving on. We are. And they can uh, go to Eventbrite. And key in spiritual intervention, and it's going to pull up your event. All the instructions to register if you want to be in Tulsa or if you want to watch from um, online are right there. Now, if any of you who are listening, I know some of you are signing on, and I know some of you all are, you know, just the coffee break, the lunch break, break room, bathroom break, etc. But if you were part of the first class, we invite you to call in and tell us about what it is. So she's going to give you a block talk number, aren't you? 
to have more work. She's digging it up. That's it, right. I caught her on fire, you know? <laughs> Almost 20 years, girl. You are good. <laughs> you are good. See, this is what 20 years of um, serving and, and, and working with me. And being, like, and being Dr. Frank. Often. Yes. Often. Because, you know, I told them when they first started serving me and they started ministering to me, because we have so many people who um, – who say, you know, I've got a price, I want to work with you, I want to help you. We have so many people who do that, but what I often have to say is I am very good at what I do, and I need good around me. Yes, Lord. And so when she first started, wasn't I that wonderful? all the time. She did. Everything she did. <laughs> and then she go, to, she go to my daughter and say, help me. This woman, what is it? Well, you know, that was 20 years ago, 18 years ago. We are now at a point where she has, she anticipates me. I like that. You know, because if I still have to give you instructions after five years, we're pretty much done. You know? So I'm impressed. But every now and then, listen, just for the fun of it, I like to throw her a curve. <laughs> just for the fun of it. You know, good people can handle it. You know what a curve is like? It's like somebody throwing a ball at you that you don't expect, and you go, I like to throw those curves at her. And my whole team, sometimes I just say to them, you know what? It's time for me to make you stronger, so let's go. Boom, make that happen. And you know what? They are so good. <laughs> sometimes I go to bed at night thinking, God, who are these people? They probably go to bed at night saying, who is this woman? <laughs> me in the I am telling you, you have to understand, you have to be worthy of that kind of help, not just desirous. Because a lot of people want it easy, but you're not, you're not going to bring out the greatness in your people. So, I, if you were at the spiritual intervention class, then I invite you to call in with your testimony. Just to let people know what's going on. You can promote it a little bit because you can say what it did for you, how you got blessed, etc. And maybe I'll have her write, um, call in for spiritual intervention class testimony if you were there. So that people come on later and know why this because you all will be calling me for some prayer. No, they'll be watching. They'll hear you. <laughs> but they need to press one. Oh. So they can be placed in the queue and Sammy can get their name and make sure that's why they're calling mm-hmm. uh, to give your comment and feedback. Absolutely. So call, dial that 319-527-6218 that you see on the screen and press the number one once you're connected. And you can, if you were on site or online, it doesn't matter. If you were part of that class, then it would be wonderful to hear your testimony and for you to encourage other people, other viewers, to stretch, make the investment of time and registration and be in it. We really covered some ground. We broke down the difference between intervention and intercession, which you're going to get a little taste of today. We talked about what is a spiritual interventionist, where they began, what you can expect from them, why you need them in your life. And this is, I mean, this was a powerful class. And, you know, you can say, well, I'll just get the replay. No replay. You know, one, the great thing about Prophet Ashley being here like forever she is really part of the new management. You know, she's been a management team. And they are part of making sure the vision happen, happens and that the vision is financed as well as promoted and broadcasted. So 
if you don't make this class, you will be an enrollee of Price University so that you can get a, become a part of our spiritual protocratic program. You know, there is a thing called a spiritual ministry. You know, a lot of people don't know that. And so we have a spiritual ministry program where you get not only the techniques, which is what so many of them give you, but we give you the consciousness, the backstory, and the framework for intervening or ministering, focalizing ministry. Now, in this, the end of this class is something that I've called the Dunamite, which is the, the miracle worker. And so you want to take these classes so they lead you into that miracle, miracle worker calling. If that is God's, you know, will for your life. There are some of you listening to me right now who know that God has been talking to you about working miracles, and some of you all think that that's an incidental thing. We'll just, you know, I'll, you know, oh, we have a crisis. I'll do that. Or we'll go pray. And there are others of you who fast and pray all night long for situations, but that is not the dunamite. The dunamite is a whole other person. The dunamite is to miracles what preachers are to sermons, what prophets are to prophecy, Hallelujah. What apostles are to divine order, what teachers are to instruction. So you're saying that the dunamite is Absolutely. If there is an office called the dunamite, the, well, we call it the dunamite, the miracle worker. And the reason we say dunamite because that's what they use in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and 29. But you want to do that right out because, come on, you all want to be like, you know, we want to be like everybody else. We want to splash and dash. Let me tell you something. It takes a long time to build a reservoir of miracles in your spirit and then to educate your soul to draw from that reservoir and pass it through to your body. So we do have a class, the end of the spiritual photocratics class, which is not going to be three, a weekend and a half. Because, see, we believe in knowledge. Because the less intelligence you have, the more inaccuracy you'll have. Because intelligence prevents inaccuracy. Intelligence prevents inaccuracy. So if we don't give you the intelligence, you'll work by inspiration, you'll work by intuition, you'll even work by impulse. But it will be a short-lived success. And it will be short-lived because you, once you run to the end of your initial or what I call the initiate anointing, because that's what people have. When you run at the end of that initiate anointing, now you've got to move from initiate to intelligence. And that is a problem. And, and the reason you need to do that is because initiates run on impulse, intelligence runs on instinct, and instinct must be educated. Y'all flowing with me, I've been a damn day with me. I love you guys, but you know, I, after all of the years that I've been doing this and training, and don't get it in your mind, Price University, because this young, it, it, it doesn't have anything. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself because you're going to come in and fail. My, my uh, staff can tell you we have a full functioning curriculum. That's from associates all the way to doctorate. And believe it or not, there are some doctoral things you need to know about working the supernatural and guarding yourself against its backlash. And it's dangerous because there are some, it's like electricity. 
you know, I like the guy. I, I watch these guys on the tele, uh, on the light poles. I did a whole thing. Netflix has a great, um, a great documentary on the men who work on the men and women who work. On, and they talk about this thing is like an hour long. Boy, I, it made me get a whole new perspective of the Holy Ghost. Just, just that little bit. So don't get it in your mind because you haven't heard it before that God hasn't done it. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. That which is has already been. And that which is all, which is to be has already been. So God's just been waiting for somebody who's going to give him 30 years of pen and ink and a computer. So we have textbooks. We have, as a matter of fact, Prophet Ash is going to talk to you in a minute about what, what, when she gets over about her, her classes. Because, you know, we have people who enrolled in the AIT program and concluded that there was nothing for them to do, that there was no work, there was no textbook, there was no program. I have so back. We are inducting, how many are we inducting in November? Uh, About six or seven. Mm -hmm. We're inducting, we're commissioning six as near commissioned apostles, and then we are inducting six or seven new ones. So the program is set. I'm just telling you right now, the program is set. But don't, don't approach us like you do most of the church or the evangelical charismatic mindset, more charismatic than evangelical because at least they got universities and stuff, okay? But don't approach us like that. Uh, we are at literally apostle prophet based because we are coming from the um, scriptures offering mantles. But we have curriculum. So when they enrolled in these classes, they were like, wait a minute, you mean this is a real school? Somebody can come up with that much information on the apostolic and the prophetic to degree those who are called to that office in that material, in that discipline and subject matter. Yeah, we got that. We got it. Some of you are sitting home and God is telling you to call and you should call and check it out. And you think it's going to be like the little weekend stuff and all of that. No, we weren't, we're not trying to be an institute. We are we're a university on purpose. We are launching our success center. We have other different departments. We have sub-departments. We've got the School of the Apostles Commission where all of our AIPs go through. We have prophetic ed where all of our prophets go through. So I just want you to understand that when we're, what we're promoting is not a weekend expedition. We're talking about producing a product because if you have a pen, I want you to write this down. Sometimes you need to write things down to etch it in your brain so that it doesn't just melt away as incidental information, but it lives in your memory. Education, always for the future. And, you have to hit and, and its product. So today you're a student, but tomorrow you're the product of some education, which is why our motto is learn today, lead tomorrow. I'm saying this because I feel very strongly right now that some of you all are not interested in that fly-by-night, seat-of-the-pants, out, you know, uh, PhD in six weeks kind of approach. Some of you all really want to be good at this, good at your calling, and you want to establish it as more than a ministry. One thing apostles will talk about as ministries, as a matter of fact, when uh, Prophet Ashley talks about her, her uh, well, her week, the week toward her AIC, her commissioning, and we have others, but when she begins to communicate about that, 
I want to talk to you about how much you don't understand commissioning and all of that. These apostles that I'm commissioning, I don't know about anybody else. We are not a run-in and here you go and don't you look real nice and, oh, that's really cute and we like the way you pray and whatever vision God gave you and whatever you feel you do. That's what you do with people who are at the lower level. High offices are not commissioned from no place to nowhere to do nothing. You don't make it up on your own at that level. You're, you're, you're perpetuating something, you're fulfilling something, you're advancing something, you're progressing something. You're not just doing your personal ministry. And I don't know why I'm on this subject, but I really just wanted to leave you with a few tidbits about apostleship and about commissioning, ordaining, ordination. The, the, the enemy has downgraded ordination to a badge, a little banner and a badge. That is not what you do when you are ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ. You, if you're ordained by the people next door, it's fine. You can say, well, you know, you don't need anybody to ordain you. You don't. To preach? No, you don't. But to execute and discharge the office that you're called to, yeah, you need some training because you don't know the office or the officer or all of the reasons why God thought to make what he's calling you to do official. There's a reason why he's making it official. So we don't have that. We are, I'm excited about what God is doing. God is, I mean, he's having a blast with these six that have finished. And when you see what they finished with this, we're going to show you the week after. So you'll understand. There's no Monday morning talking about, what do I do? Where do I go? Why was I done? Who made me do this? Now what? You don't go for training after commissioning. That's a little late. That's like getting a degree and then saying, I'm going to go to school and learn while I was degree. Now, a lot of people do it, sadly, but not those who are making a mark on the world. See, there are a lot of things we do in our little church circles that won't fly anywhere else. So I just need you to know we're going to, um, they've had an extraordinary class, and she'll talk to you about it. It's been an extraordinary two or three years. And um, I'm interested in anybody who's interested in being good at an apostle. I like, you know, I use your, your, your statement. You're only going to get credit for it three more times after that is over. As long as it shows up in your portfolio, I'm happy because then we know. But one of the things that she said was so interesting about apostles and apostleship is that apostles are what? Come on, say it, prophet. Experts in all things Jesus Christ. Experts in all things Jesus Christ. Now, where did she get that from? All of the study, all of the materials and the books that she read and manuals that we use to get her ready, she concluded the most succinct statement and definition of an apostle I have ever heard, ever. And you know, I've been out here a long time. And I said, oh, yeah, well, we're using that. That is what is going to be on, uh, that's our slogan and everything else. But what does it take to make an expert? Because, see, a lot the church is so uh, underdeveloped and unexposed that they feel like a buzzword makes them the word in action and the word in, in, a, in purpose, and it doesn't. Just because you can say you're an apostle doesn't mean you're an expert. And the whole idea, when you look at what Jesus did, I was like, wow, that's true, because the 12, he made them experts in everything him. Paul, experts in everything him. Peter, and John and James on the Jerusalem Council grilled Paul to see what his expertise was in Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was already a rabbi, and they grilled him to find out, yeah, that's good. 
But I need to know if you're an expert in Jesus Christ. Stephen was stoned because he was out there before he became an expert. I'm just saying. Anyway, I'm plugging up now. I want you to know I'm plugging up. Hope this works. You know, sometimes it doesn't work. I like that. And, and the program that we have is sure to make you an expert. I promise you, because I'm an expert. I want you to know I'm an expert in this, and I don't question it. I don't have a doubt. I know I'll get those wonderful ones of you all that like to say to me, how do you like to say it, Ashley? Well, that's not humble. Experts are not called to be humble. They're called to be experts. Well, I know that, uh, that's what we use in the when we feel intimidated or we don't like the strength somebody is walking in it. Brag about our bosses being the best. We want to work for the best companies. Oh, come on here. Strongest stocks. We want to buy the number one car. We want to go number one in everything, but we have so marginalized and diminished pretty much everything about Christianity that anybody who comes out confident, we slap all this stuff on Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they sure not say it to me, but and when you're new, it bothers you. When you're new, yeah, it bothers you. But when you're older and you're still, I paid the dues, 32 years of just focusing on Jesus Christ and not Jesus Christ to, to well, all of his toys, all of his, his uh, possessions. His, I focus on this man and who he is, why he exists, and what he is A to God and B to creation. You've got to know that because that's why we got taken out because you, we went to, a, you went to a, a, a pastor, a good church. Some of them, I mean, some of these churches are great. Ashley came from a phenomenal church. I did not know what church she came from, but I remember listening to her when she came here for college and I said, you had a good pastor. Did I not say that to you? I said, oh, no, you come from a good church. I said, now, you, don't, you can't touch apostolic prophetic, but as Christianity goes, you have a good pastor. And she'll tell, she says now how many of them in her whole group are in ministry today. That was a good church, but it still didn't prepare her for destiny. It, 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 it primed her. See, because a good church will prime you, but it doesn't always prepare you. Yeah, you want to write church. They're writing here in the studio, so... Take a writing break if you must. See, and that's why so many of you all are stuck. You're stuck because your mind is, but my, my church is a good church. My pastor's a good ch- pastor. You know, um, we've had good teaching. Our ministers are good. And you're stuck on their success and not your calling. Because if it wasn't about Jesus Christ, if it wasn't about Christianity, you would not expect your pastor to prepare you to be a doctor. You wouldn't expect your pastor to prepare you to be a lawyer, an engineer, an accountant, an IT person, a counselor. You wouldn't even expect your pastor to prepare you to be a professional counselor. So the difference between a good church that raised you up in Jesus Christ and is worthy of the regard and the respect that you have for it and your calling is Priming versus preparation versus authorization. Are they following me? So some of you all are staying in those churches because they're good, and you're asking God to fulfill your destiny in your elementary, high school, 
preschool thing. You know, they're great preschools, but the, the reason they're great is to give us good kindergartners. And then they're great kindergartners, and the reason they're great is to give us good elementary school students and high school and so on, likewise. That's why they're great. You don't expect your child to live in kindergarten. Likewise, you want a good kindergartner, kindergarten teacher who will get them ready to move on to the next level. And you have not been taught of it. You've been taught that because you we think the absence of the apostle and prophets, you've been taught that the apostle and the prophet are being absent. Your pastor is the end-all, be-all, do-all. You know, they have all of these articles why pastors are committing suicide, why they're having nervous breakdowns, why they're suffering from burnout, because they made themselves the all-purpose minister without the backing of the Holy Ghost. You cannot be an all-purpose minister without the backing of the Holy Ghost. The uniqueness of a prophet and apostle's construction is that they're built to be inseminators, germinators, disseminators. They're built. That's why people get upset with them. It's that burliness of spirit, that bulkiness of soul that means that no matter what you do, they keep coming back because you have not exhausted them. It takes a long time to exhaust a real prophet or a real apostle. I mean, Satan has to pummel them up the front and down the back. Look at the Paul. Stone in the shipwreck, uh, 39 strikes, thrice. Not once. Jesus only had to do what? 39 strikes, thrice. I mean, you're talking about those apostles put in jail, last, and, and, and all of that makes them stronger, makes them better, makes them more powerful. Whereas if you do it to someone else, they're, they're, I'm sorry, this, I'm out. I'm out. And that all, Now, these are just things that you would know if you were in the program, but I'm just, right now I'm conversing with you on this. But it takes a lot to take out an apostle, a real apostle and prophet. And I mean, it takes a lot. And the only way that you can take them out is that the Holy Ghost takes away their hatch and, com- and commissions an angel to break them down to the point that they cannot survive. That's how, because they remember, they're commissioned by the king directly. So it takes the king's level to take them out. God said to Moses, as for you, you stand here by me. Gabriel turns around and says the same thing to Mary centuries later, and he says, but I, I mean, I can mention Zechariah, he said, but I stand in the presence of God. Now, we got Moses, who's standing beside God, and we got Gabriel standing in God's presence. So what do you think God has to do to upgrade a being? to that level. But again, spiritual protocratics and spiritual intervention. You want to get the rest of the story, you do need to check in on Monday because there's a whole lot of information that you need to know. You can say all day long, well, we can all pray. I, I hear people say that to me all the time. Well, we can all pray. I say, yeah, you can, we can all pray. We can all push. And you know what? We can all command. But what we all can't do is execute the office at our discretion. See, not everybody has discretionary command in the Holy Ghost. 
And it takes a certain level of classification to do that. Look up the word discretionary. Look up the phrase when we're finished today and, and, and read about discretionary authority. And then read about derived authority. See, read those two. I call them the two Ds of authority, discretionary and derived. I'm trying to get to the prayer thing, but whoever you are, God has me fired up for you that you will understand that it is he who is talking to you and that he is not interested in you raising up your pastor in his face any longer, that he wants you to be commissioned, and he's telling you why you need to be commissioned, because you asked him. Because when God stops a flow, it's because somebody's praying. Somebody has a question on the floor. And whoever you are, the Holy Ghost is telling me, you're about to, literally, you're about to miss your window with your biases and your prejudices and your literal um, uh, misguided loyalty. Because you're more loyal to the pastor that God used to get you ready than you are to the God that ordained that pastor. Some of you all, the pastors are coming and saying, well, I don't know. God didn't say that to me. Well, of course he wouldn't. You're not in the sphere of apostleship. Why would he say it? If you are interested, God will only speak to a pastor if that pastor has a career, a lifelong career habit of asking God and obeying him. There are a lot of times God won't tell your pastors, I don't know why I'm here. I'm just going to go. Can I just go with this? Can I, just, I just want to know, are you all out there okay with me going with this? Because, see, there you wonder, well, if God said, well, why didn't God tell your pastor for two reasons? Number one, he knew your pastor wasn't going to let you go. Number two, he knew your pastor did not have the mindset and the frame of reference to comprehend what he's saying or why. And number three, which is most importantly, if your pastor forbade you to go, God will have to judge your pastor and judge that church. Oh, is anybody hearing me today? So a lot of times your pastors don't get it because it's, God, it's to God's grace. It's God's protecting them. Now, sometimes you all are presumptuous, and if you are, then that pastor's right. God is going to tell you because he's not going to honor a thing you do. He, he's going to do everything that pastor said would happen. So God's going to let all of that befall you. But if it's God, you better know, like Gamaliel, you better know that pastor better know better than the fight against God. Because if it's not God, it's going to come to nothing. But if they're called, if they're called to God, to, to this, to what God is doing next, and I know for a fact that God is doing scripturally organic, culturally unmodified apostolic Christianity. I know that for a fact. I also understand that hard, set, hard reset means separation. You have to separate yourself. And that is no indictment. On your pastor, it doesn't. You don't need to cast any aspersion on a pastor because God needs you to get out the way to send the next crew in. Some of your, some of these pastors, your churches aren't growing because you're too busy holding on to what God wants. And when you let go what uh, what God wants, then God is going to send in the next round, like they do in school every year. You know, can you imagine the, t- the kindergarten teacher or the elementary school teacher is in the classroom, doors shut, locked and barred, won't let the students out. That's a lot of churches, a lot of pastors. So I would say to you, your pastor is to prime you for God's preparation, but your pastor is not necessarily a a career primer or equipper. 
see, your pastors, you might say, well, you know, for the equipment of the saints, but you know, the level of equipment that you're going to get from a pastor is not going to be the same as you get from a teacher. The anointings are different, the mantles are different, the spirits are different. All of that is different. And it's escalating. So it literally, it escalates. And so you can say, well, you know, I just, my, my pastor said that he can train me to be an apostle. Is your pastor an apostle? Well, no. Then how are they going to do it? I just want you to know, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the, the person that works in the OR saying that I'm going to go ahead on and handle all of this doc. You just take three weeks off. Or, don't, or you don't need to go to the next class, or you don't need to go to the next school. Pre-med doesn't prepare you for med. It prepares you to learn more med. You understand? And so, same thing with pre-law. Your pastors are kind of like the pre-med, pre-law. Pre-engineer, prep study, prep school. Get you ready to succeed. Now hear me, not just enroll to get you ready to succeed in your next level of development and readiness, training. Your pastor is for that. Male, female, old, young, black, white, it doesn't matter. And a smart pastor who wants to succeed will know that you have to let your fruit go to its next place because the world is waiting for the harvest. The Lord is waiting to make you a harvester. A good, I knew it was somebody because I couldn't stop. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is saying, if you really believe you have a call, then you need to believe that he wants it to be excellent and that where you are can't happen. Because if it could happen there, then you wouldn't have a calling, you'd have an installation. And some of you all have false installations, vanity installations vain installations. Some of you all have that. And you need to ask yourself, is this a vanity appointment? Is this a vanity commission? Is this a vanity uh, uh, installation or appointment? You need to figure it out. You have to ask yourself, how vain is what you're going through? How vain are your ceremonies? How useful are they or useless? Because some of you all have gone through, you had a, I'm I'm telling you because I've seen it. I've seen it all over the country. I've seen it even all over the world in other countries. You've gone. Your pastor says, I can make you a so-and-so. You had a ceremony. You had some prayer, maybe a little bit of hands laid on you, drop of oil. And you know what? They had nothing else to do with you. In other words, they empowered you. They authorized you, even authenticated you with no goal in mind. See, I don't believe all of these apostles are, are false apostles, but I do believe that they have a statement that they are apostles without a place to go because you had the wrong person doing it. Having somebody ordain you and commission you from overseas who has no work for you here, who is not going to authorize your work, who is not going to give you a piece of the work, what is that? That's vanity. And we're going to talk about that as we go forward. In our classes, we talk about vanity commissioning. A lot of you all, all you had was the regalia. You had the right, I mean, you spent thousands and thousands of dollars on a attire and on a tournament that you will never use again because you have nowhere to use it. So then you have to go out just so your money is not wasted and that your ego is not 
crushed or depressed, you go out to create opportunities to speak to three people, five, ten, here and there, but you still can't discharge the work because they, a vanity commissioning, a vanity appointment, a vanity installation will never put you in the office. It only gives recognition to your gifting. And some, some people have, you know, God just blessed a few people and said, come on, baby, I'm just going to go in and come on, sweetheart. Come on, son. Yeah, we're just going to put you in there because he needed you. But now that he has another institution and he has an institution that's going to get it right for him, and I know it because I know the volume of material, I know the number of textbooks, and I know the transformation of my six apostles from the time they entered and were inducted to now the commissioning. They are different people, but one thing they're not is confused about who they are and what will happen the day after the ceremony. That is what we do here at Price University. That is what we do here at New Era Apostleship Restitution. That is what our AIT program is. It is not about making you stronger at being you. It's about what John the Baptist said. It's about making you decrease so Christ can increase so that he can count on you and you can deliver without disappointing him. I don't know if that's make. Is that talking to anybody? And I'm, I'm going to let you, because uh, uh, Prophet Ashley has been doing her, what did you call them, your, your what, uh, apostleship diaries, what is it? Oh, apostolic diaries. Her apostolic diaries, where she is sharing various steps of the process. And so you need to tell them how to get those. Sure, you can um, call me the fastest way to go to my website, www.drashley.com, C-O-C-T-O-R, Ashley.com. And on my blog tab, they're all there. Some of the intimate hours are there, but yeah, so they can watch you like 10 minutes. Uh-huh. Well, but you, mm-hmm. and so, and, and, and listen, don't, if you're a real apostle, you will take them as inspiration and not certification. Because we are quick in the charismatic word of faith arm of the church to take anything we approve of and anything we like as credential. What she's doing is just sharing. She's journaling because they have to journal. So she's journaling in her diary, sharing what this program has done for her, what, how different she is, and the things that she learned that validate her completion of the journey. Oh, God, I'm telling you, I'm trying to get to this thing, but you know, the Holy Ghost wants me to help you. He's asking me to do this. So you can say all day long, well, I'm an apostle, too. And I've had people say that. I've had people enroll in my school say, I'm just as much of an apostle as you are. I said, well, we'll see. Three weeks, you know what? I was just thinking, you know, my kids, my kids happened so-and-so, and then my job did so-and-so, and then, well, actually, something else happened. So I won't be able to complete. First thing apostles do is complete. Apostles don't drop out. That's why God knew those 12 would take the world, because he built them to complete and not to flee. So that's something you have to know. That's the mindset of an apostle. What this class doesn't know, what they're going to get in their master's program, is I have 100 attributes to an apostle. I have an assessment that you all have never heard of that literally assesses apostles. And the reason I did that is because you can talk all day long about anointing, but anointing cannot identify. Anointing cannot verify. Anointing cannot filter. 
An anointing cannot scream. Anointing cannot measure. Anointing cannot gauge. You understand the difference when I'm saying these things? Because I need to shift your mindset. We're in a hard reset. And this hard reset is going to get rid of that anointing dominance and replace it with authenticity and authentication and authority, attributes, aptitudes, behaviors, all of the idiosyncrasies of an apostle's mantle, office, and person. And God wants you to know that. Some of you all have said, I don't know where to get trained, and I don't know where you want to train me. Christ University, you, you can start today, ChristUniversity.org. What I am creating, we're in the midst of creating, is, an, is a residence program. So if you don't want to go the long version, because these people, the program is usually 18 to 24 months, you want to shorten that, you'd like to truncate it a little bit, then you can plan to enroll in the residence program. Because God wants a residence program because some of you all, he said, I can't wait 18 months for someone. So I can't wait 36 months for this one. I don't have time. I need, um, I need to marshal a force, an army. So you'll, hey, listen, keep listening. If you're interested in that, just, well, you know, um, email us and say, when you get the information on the uh, Apostle AIT, Apostle in Training Residence Program, let me know. And some of you can do it. You'll have some people say, well, I'm gonna, I want to do it fast, but I, I can't get off. Hey, apostles fight obstacles. We don't defend our obstacles. We fight them. We fend off obstacles. We don't, defend, we don't um, defend them. We take our obstacles and we turn them into opportunities, into optimums. Obstacle to opportunity to optimum. Because that's why we exist. I sat in meetings for years and years and years trying to learn. And the one thing that I felt that I, I discovered, that I bring to the equation of all that's been out there, is that I bring soul identity, soul power to your calling. Because some of us, you know, if your soul is not upright in you, I don't care how zealous you are. It won't happen. We have a program of courses. We have soulology. How are you going to be an apostle? You don't know about the human soul. You can't figure it out. You don't know how to get the human psyche at all. You can do. You don't even know why you're an apostle. And then you have all of these people being elevated to apostleship who know nothing, except that they just love the Lord and they want to plant churches. So do bishops. So do pastors. So do evangelists. So what makes you different? These are issues. That, and I know there's a little bit of a rub here, but I'm, I, I hope to, that rub, if I rub just right, I'll spark something. And I'll spark something that will spur you on and say, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it as one of the best. And I'll be honest with you, I don't play. They'll tell you I don't play. I do not, I won't play this. I don't have to. I won't because God's got too many people around the world that he wants to do this. So I'm not going to play with you. You know, we tell you, come in. We don't, we don't ask for homework, ever. I don't ask for homework. I just don't. We, don't. we don't keep your calendar. We're not your secretaries. We're not your correspondents. We let you prove that the burden of the office can be borne by you. 
and that proof comes from the training. Because the way you treat your training, that's why we have such bad ministry right now, because the way you treat your training is how you're going to run your ministry. Poor training equals poor performance. I'd love to hear some of your feedback on this. I mean, I'm very interested in, in what you have to say or how this is affecting you. Is it inspiring you? Is it motivating you? Is it, you know, inflaming you? Are you getting angry? Because here, here's what I found out. Poor learners are like incendiary devices. They're always waiting to explode. So I would love to hear. Do we have any comments? Uh, Prophet, uh, but she's right. I gotta wait till she gets. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she gets excited. I listen to my team now, and I reflect on how we communicated when I first got them. And I gotta tell you, I I know it works because they are not who it was. We even have early recordings of them and listening to them then and now. Hey, the training works. And it doesn't just work because they stick with it. It works because it produces the product that we were going after. Your training is measured by the product, not just the process. Hang on, incorrect. Nobody bothers you. 
And you don't find out until Peter goes to jail and you find the angel wake up, Pete. Pete, Pete. We are so comfortable in <laughs> Baby, we're so comfortable in Jesus Christ. We can sleep in the midst of the calamity. Everybody else walking the floor. We sleep. Jonah, sleep. Man, wake up and talk to your God. But think about this because this is important. If you don't, when you're ready, God gives you an angelic guard. He bumps up your guard. He bumps up their level. When Joshua was ready, the commander of the host came and said, okay, my job is to see what you succeed. And if God hasn't given you the success powers that attend to your ministry and preserve you, because he's not holding everybody up, let's say dash their foot against the stone, because a lot of people dash their foot. I see too many Christians on crutches and spending time, so I know that there's no holdup going on there. So you have to think about that. So Stephen steps out, and he just emulates the apostle. But if you read his discourse, he's not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only time he mentions Jesus is at the end. He gives a great history lesson. He comes off as a sharp, eloquent theologian. Meanwhile, the, and at the end, he goes and yells at them like he used to, but you didn't bother Jesus, and you didn't bother uh, Peter, you didn't bother the 12, so surely you're not going to bother me. And those people are like, are you kidding? They go back to Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? Anymore? Oh, uh, okay. Oh, we got a Facebook? Okay, Nicole said it's so encouraging. All right, it's so encouraging and affirming to know that you don't have to choose between your pastor and former training and obeying your call. You can appreciate one and be loyal to the other. Absolutely. Just like you can appreciate the university and the, and the college and still stay loyal to your parents. I also know this laugh she said, Christian, don't touch you. <laughs> You know she's cutting up. You tell her to put a post up there about her training. She's another one that's been commissioned in November. She really is. Erica said, you have everything in me standing up. You are putting language on what's happening to me. Oh, praise God. Thank God. Um, Prophet Angela, the success powers about when you're ready, God gives you an angelic guard. Yes, and nothing can harm you. Jeffrey said, wow, and amen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Claudette, Emery, she said, the training I've received is phenomenal. A whole other level, understanding wisdom and still hungry for more. Yeah, she's one of our clients, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now students. Mm-hmm. She rolled over. She transitioned with us from Did being she? our life advisee, life track ministry. If I have any more students out there, come on, put something up on there so people can know that I'm not just tooting my own horn. Apostle Brinson, he said, love it, standing with you. <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> in a few weeks. Yes, he's going to be a part of the commissioning ceremony. Yes, uh, Mama Yan, hope I'm saying that correctly, said this is very, this is really powerful. Good teaching from Sherry, blessings. Mm. Uh, God bless you from Linda. Well, let's see here. And meanwhile, our other prophet ought to be walking around the building now. Let's see, Tia. Said, um, can you talk more about the soul issues and how that affects walking in your calling as a prophet? Yes, I can. I can give you a five-second, five-minute something. How about that? You know how many books we have on the gifts of the Spirit? How many books we have on spiritual this and spiritual that and spiritual whatever? 
ask yourself, how many books have you actually read on your soul? And yet it's your soul that must command your body. Your soul is how your body gets its information. And your soul regulates how your organic brain and thus organic self carries out what God gave you to do. That's why the Bible says we must believe to the saving of the spirit, or it says we must believe to the saving of the soul. So you see a man that's walking in lies and deceit, the Bible explains it said because his, his, his soul is not upright in him. Psalm 19.7 says your soul must be converted by the law of God. So if, if we have a, a requirement, and any one of you can enroll in the class if you're interested, but we have a requirement that everyone who enrolls, enrolls in our university must take biblical psychology. You must learn about your soul, and you must learn your soul as your creator, creator and regulator. God deals with your soul more than anything else. So if you're interested in something, I mean, this is a great program on the soul. Norma's sitting right here, and she took it twice, and we're going to let her just comment on that. But your soul is how life happens on earth. Your spirit is how life happens in Christ. So when you think about it, Dr. Price, I don't know if I agree with that, but, but the book of Acts says that Jesus' soul went to hell. Why? You're the Messiah. You're the creator. You're the savior. How is it that your soul went to hell? But he said his soul went to hell the way Jonah's body spent three days and three nights in the well's belly. So I can give you more, but I think that I, I've given you enough for a, uh, as a, well, an advertisement. Go to priceuniversity.org and say, I want to take biblical psychology. You can take it as a standalone. You don't have to go and say, I want to be in a program. You can take it as a standalone. If you are a therapist, if you're a counselor, if you are an advisor, if you're an intercessor, if you're a prophet, you definitely want to know. Because, see, we've been teaching you so much about the spirit, you didn't know why the words were failing. Because what we taught didn't convert the soul. And it's your soul that must be converted by your new creation spirit. But you need to know the tips and techniques. So, Norma, did you want to share a little bit about the class since you have come on? Absolutely. Um, biblical psychology. Uh, what a powerful class. One of the things I um, always say about biblical psychology is that as you are le- as you are learning the class and going through taking all of the, taking the courses, is that the class is going to deliver your soul in the process of you learning what it's all about. Uh, one of the major things um, that I've noticed from the class is everyone who takes it comes out saying, I took this class and now I'm free. They can tell you what they have been set free from as being a part of that class. So anybody who has any soul issues, and we all do, and needs your soul delivered, biblical psychology is not only going to teach you God's point of view about uh, biblical psychology, but it's going to help you to have your soul delivered in the process and in turn as you press forward in the program, you will be able to help others be able to be delivered as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, our other prophet is here. Did you want to come on in or what? Well, we, listen, sorry, guys, we didn't get to this. That's why I always try not to say what's going to happen next week, because I'm always thinking for God, and he doesn't like us doing his thinking for him. So he had another thought. I had a plan. And then he had a, and then he had a word. 
Thank you so much. So we, we, we're going to talk. Come on in, Prophet. <laughs> Are you all right? Did you survive? I survived. Good. I have questions. Well, then you get asked. You're right in the seat to get asked. I have questions. How many do you have? 20? Uh, I'll keep it down to 19.5. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll take the last half. I can cover this. <laughs> well, while Ashley's setting up, I think that probably in our next season, we're just going to get a longer table so we can keep our stuff near and get a seat here for you. I think we might do that. Although I do like, like to, having the screen. I like yeah, I like to have this close to me so I can see what I'm saying. All right, so, Prophet uh, B? Yes. Well, I, 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 I want to talk about this because I, I think this is so important to what you've been establishing with Hard Reset. You talked today about how Hard Reset is about authenticity, authority, identification. What, what would you say is God's biggest issue with things the way they are now? God's biggest issue with things the way they are right now is that because the teachers haven't taken time to learn him, they don't know him. So they're running on opinions, they're running on supposition, they're running on assumptions based on their personal or devotional experience. And so devotional experiences are now taking the place of an academic or educational discipline, which is why people are undisciplined. They go to the training, they cut notes, they write all these kinds of things, but they don't know. They've learned from someone who has not been with God. One of the things that I loved about that, what did they say about the, the Antiochians? They said, but... And even even the Pharisees uh, said, yeah, but we can tell that they've been with God. Mm-hmm. And because they didn't know God, they couldn't teach you the, from the Bible or the Word of God because they didn't take time to make that their standard either. So his issue today is that he has a flock of people that he's got to take care of. He's got to keep alive, keep healthy. And still, with all of his obligations to us, they don't know him. So, so what are we talking about? We're talking about people saying, this is okay, that's okay, sex is okay, that's okay, uh, piercings are okay, homosexuality is okay, fornication's okay, lying's okay, stealing's okay, you know, uh, the occult is okay, yoga's okay. All of that okayness came from teachers and trainers who didn't themselves take time to know God, but they passed on their own neglect. And they passed on their indifference. And then they passed on their defiance to you as doctor. Those doctrines, according to Paul, come from seducing spirit. They're doctrines of devils. So they picked up, because if your soul does not pick up the Holy Ghost, it has no guardianship. It has no, no filter or pushback for the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils always perverting God's truth. Oh yeah, okay. We we gotta talk about this more more in Sunday school. That's why I want to I want to really pull from you because we need to understand why God is resetting us. Um, you know, in in your in your mind or just in how God has worked with you, what is kind of the first phase of this hard reset really look like? What should we expect? Oh, I love that question. The first thing you should expect is the fact that it's going to happen. So God's going to start having impressing it upon you. You're going to find yourself thinking it, feeling it, running up there on it. It's running up on you. So the first thing God needs to do is to get you to acknowledge first awareness, then acknowledgement, then acceptance, 
and then action. So we have awareness, and we have acknowledgement, and then we go on to accepting it. This is going to happen. The inevitability of it is acceptance. We're going to go into acceptance, and then right after that, you're going to see the thing go into action. And it's going to go into action whether or not you do the first three. But God is giving you an opportunity to be a cooperator. Okay, because so many times people, um, you hear this and you get people who are in love with status quo and, and don't think it's that bad. And, it's, you know, every time people tell you the church is not that bad, you better know that they got bad, bad governing them. They're bad, they're gov- bad is governing the judgment. In other words, they're a party to it. And so they don't deal with God's experience. You want to know the state of the church. You want to know if it's as bad as they say. Well, we have the media who's showing us, but let's just go to something and leave a little closer to home, and that is go to God himself and listen to God's, not only his, his issues, but his experience with this. And then you'll trace in Scripture how many times he's had to come in and rescue his people by way of a hard reset. Because a hard reset is not to be troublesome. It's really meant to rescue the righteous. Wow. That's why God is moving into hard reset, because he wants to rescue the righteous. Because the righteous are the ones that are crying. They're the ones who are oppressed. They're the ones who are losing their jobs. They're the ones who are getting lied to. They're the ones who are being robbed. They're the ones who are being assaulted. Let's just look at our our Democratic client, um, the, the Democratic Party. They have stopped being politicians and become persecutors. And they persecute the righteous. So God has to do a hard reset. The Savior has to hard reset for the church, but the sovereign has to hard reset for the world. Yeah, but I have another question. Well, I'm going to let you write that down. Okay. <laughs> I have a question. Okay, my question goes back to what you were saying earlier about the prayer power and you're talking about discretionary and derived authority. How do you know mm-hmm. personally when your prayers supersede the opposition versus everybody else's collective prayers that are we praying? I mean, we have a lot of things going on um, politically in our world, the weather, whatever. And so saints are praying. But how, but how do you know? when God has moved at your word versus, and I think this is a question for officers in general mm-hmm. to know, oh, yeah, you know, everybody's fine, you know, and, and it just all worked out. And then when you step in and begin to move in your power and authority, it, it pushes it all the way through. Well, first of all, I get foreknowledge of a project. And to me, to most people who are praying, it's prayer is a devotion and it's responsibility or do I get or oh, reaction reaction exactly you know and so I get uh, ahead of time God will say you know these are the things that we're doing etc well he'll do that because now I have moved from just I moved from being what I was in terms of my level to what I've become which is to guard his level I'm at the dimension of sovereignty. In other words, I guard the sovereign word. I operate from the sovereign realm of God. See, I'm, and it just happens. So he began to tell me. Now, God told me about 10 years ago, he said, now listen, I'm going to do with you the likes of which I've not done with any other person. And so I said, well, no, that sounds scriptural. 
Because I don't take words I can't find. He knows that. Even now, I can't find it. That's nice, but I need you to find me something. And so he started telling me this. And the reason he said is because I have got to redeem my rescue. The people are redeemed. And so he said, but what you haven't been taught is that God operates on authority, and he operates on hierarchy. So we like to say, he, eleva- he always talked about, I elevated Moses, you know? Mm. I elevated Noah. Yeah. I turned around, I even elevated Seth. I elevated Deborah, and I put them all in seats of authority that would <clears throat> literally Give me, make me a conduit. In other words, because I don't play with God's words, I don't play with his truth, so God makes me a conduit. So he'll tell me, um, like he said to Moses, Moses like, they're going to stone me because they're hungry. God said, why are you bothering me? Do your job. Do your job. Because he and God had hit that level where God considered him a collaborator in all that he was doing. Because some of us cooperate, but collaborate means that God is engaging your intelligence, your experience, your professional background, etc. So I become that. So God will tell me, you know, I'm gonna, I want so and so done. Now, He knows that He trained me to understand the, the protocols for this heaven to earth, to get earth to listen to what He wants, because the goal of God is that His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. So He trained me. Taught me about all the, that's how I could write all these books. I got like 50-something manuals on how to do this thing. And so he trained me to do this. And so I was faithful because you only get promoted when you're faithful. And the promotion will always come, always come after a painful trial. God knows I had enough. So, okay, I'm back. (laughs) So, at every trial, the trial is not to see if you can survive it or if you can break through. The trial is to see if you can do that and remain faithful to he who called you without criticizing God or condemning God or cutting off communications with him. So I never did. I just never did because, well, he's God. I mean, and he would get so much more to this. But anyway, long story short, because he set me in a particular place, and people will tell you, because if you read my Facebook, people tell you where I sit. I don't have to say it. And so he now has set me in a place where I am at, in that council chamber. Mm-hmm. See, you know, it's more than the court. I'm in the council chamber when God is deciding his option. He then lets me know this is his option. Mm-hmm. He did with Micaiah. He said, who's going to go down there mm-hmm. and, and, and kill Ahab? Because I want him off my planet. We're done with that. And see, I don't see some of the things that causes you to get there is I don't criticize Jesus. I don't condemn him. I don't blame him. I don't do any of those things. I just say, you know what, God, I'm really I'm working through this. But I know you're God. And if I keep my mouth shut and if I just wait, I'm gonna see the wisdom. So when God started telling me that he was going to use me in high strata in the officials and authorities. Before he started letting me know it, I was commanding things. I was speaking out things, and it was happening like right away. I mean, I went, it was But anyway, hallelujah, I'm going to say that for spiritual invention. But, ooh, so, but, but, but I went, and so I realized, I said, well, God, Man, it's kind of odd because you don't know. We don't know God operates like this. And so he said, because I have hewed the heavens and the earth to your voice because of your faithfulness. 30 
two years, from 1982 to now, I never stopped preaching the gospel. I never stopped preaching the Bible. I never bought into any other doctrine. I never preached anything anybody had to say. Nobody could move me off the word of God. And you know why? Because I wasn't just on the word. I was in the person. So I didn't just make it a word ministry. Wow. I am a representative of the man, Christ Jesus, and his sovereign throne and authority in this earth realm. That's who I am. So when he wants to get a thing done like any other person in high authority, he picks the one he knows is going to see it through to the end, no matter what. So he started talking to me about different things. And he started talking to me about the elections and the whatever. He started talking to me. You all remember. And he started telling me what, what was going on. And I'm just, all these people talking about, yeah, well, you know, Brother Trump not going to get in. I said, I'm going to tell you right now, God's going to put Trump in. And he's going to stay there for a while. And you know why? Not because he's good. Not because he's, he's good to black folk, white folk, but because he's good to Jesus. <laughs> And as long as he stays good to Jesus, he's going to win every (laughs) battle. He's going to win every war. That's why they, and you know, know, Satan knows him. That's why he's a a mob against him. But he's taking his use mob scenes all the time. And God still wins no matter how big the mob. Because God says, the earth is the Lord. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. See, the difference between me and most people is that I take the Bible as the author's text, guide, manual. But I deal with the author. See, the Holy Ghost will correct the errors in the Bible. When he starts telling me what he wants, I just do it. I say, so what are we going to do? So he'll, now he'll, you know, because he'll say to me, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, what do you want to do? He said, no, what do you want to do? But I want this. He said, then get it done. And then he turned around. This is the part that makes me know that it works. They know more than they can trade, too. We don't tell others. But, no, you don't, because I don't tell them. But one of the things I do know is God started sending his heavenly, his eternal officials in my life, in my house, in my life, his angels. I literally have a, an entire force that goes and says, like Jesus said, I speak the word, but the Father who's in me does the work. So I, ha- I don't, if you all have been following me, some of you all have been following me as long as we've been doing the broadcast, you have seen the change. When my, when my new force hit the ground, I knew it was over. I knew it was done. And I, I, what, what I had to learn then was how to operate this thing according to God's will and wisdom. Psalm 28 says you must know. I think it's 25. Hang on. Psalm 25 I said, you must know the operation of his hand. I don't know if that helps you. I know I preached the whole sermon. Are you all all right? Well, it helps. I asked the question because we, as a, I would say the fruits of this previous doctrinal move, marginalize a lot. And we brought prayer pretty much on the same level as prophecy. Mm -hmm. Anybody can do it. Anybody can say it. What makes your word more powerful than mine and all this other stuff? And so as, um, you know, bringing, bringing back apostleship and the true different levels and ranks and orders within mm-hmm. these institutions yeah. is really important. Or, or else it's just like, well, okay, so what makes you a What makes you the people really don't know they what don't. makes it because they have been taught, well, my pastor's prayer or 
so-and-so's prayer, you know, and, and again, mm-hmm. that's, you know, don't be haughty, don't be mighty, don't be whatever. And this has nothing to do with that. And that's why I wanted to hear, what I wanted to know, um, how you know and why you know. So hearing all of these other things that are going on that are not discussed, that are not talked about in an open public forum, between you and the Lord, just like Paul, mm-hmm. these apostles talking about their visitations and where they went and what God showed them. <laughs> we were joking the other day about how after past like the first couple of chapters in Daniel, nobody talks about that. Nobody knows. They don't know. Just saying, we're still trying to crack the code on Revelation. There's a whole lot of the Bible that we just skip over because yeah. we really don't know how to pierce the veil. And you can't. You can't pierce the veil. Because if you could, everybody would bum rush the Holy Ghost. Everybody would bum rush the Lord. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the door. I am the one. Jesus is God's inside man. And he's God's go-to man. So you can ignore, like all of this ignoring Jesus Christ is really a cut the church lifeline and cut the church off from God. You know, my daughter and I, we always have these conversations. Like God will tell me who's ready to leave the planet. And I've told them. I, I never forget when God told me Michael Jackson is going to be gone. He's going to be gone within so-and-so amount of time. And I told my daughter, I said, you know, God said his time is up. He told me about, you know, Whitney Houston. God told me about so many. The, the, the most recent victory is um, Brett Kavanaugh. I was like, I was praying one day. He said, Brett, he said, I want him in. I said, well, okay, so Jesus, because I'm thinking. So I'm, I just go into what I know to pray. That's why I wanted to do the prayer class. So I go into my prayer, and I don't pray like, oh, God, if it's your will. I pray like I am the authority to make it so on earth. So this is how this is going to go. Now, I don't do it if he doesn't tell me because what's the point? I don't Nobody wants to be a failure. So I began one night I prayed. I kid you not. One night I prayed for this man, and I went into that room, and two angels were standing on either side of him. And I mean, these angels were like 18, 20 feet tall. And they were guard. They flanked this man. And when I looked at the two angels, he said, if I did that, you need to know it's done. Everything they did afterwards was formality for the Holy Ghost. Because right. God said, I want him. And he said, because I got some stuff to do with America. And I need the forces and the power and the authorities to do it. I'm telling you, God is going to have a clean sweep in this election for that reason. Because he said, I am sick of the mess. And I, my people can't help themselves. Humanity, we can't, that's why, you look at all of the laws they're breaking and everybody feels powerless to do anything about it. We're like petrified because they're doing the unusual. This disruption movement, they're doing it because it's unusual. They're catching us off guard. They're catching us at our weaker point. We're confused. And all of that flurry that they're doing is causing us, our minds not to work. And so God is saying, but I'm telling you, the reason they can do this is because you have no idea the power that's working against your mind to let this country fall. There is a major strategy, and I know that. I know it because I met them. I know it because I've seen them. But I know who I am, and I know where I'm sitting down. I have literally a job description from the Holy Ghost that tells me, you can do this, and you can do that. Now, granted, again, we have been really, really close for a lot of years, and it's cost me everything. They will tell you it cost me everything. But I'm told God, what you need is important to me. What you dream, Jesus, is important to me. What you desire, what you envision, that's important to me. So I make myself a vessel of its fulfillment. And so I did. And he took me out my, you know, God, I'm like, you know, like like Jeff, you know, Jeff. If you, then I, God took me at my word, and believe me, I cannot go back. 
So I do know, and I am not the only one. I believe that God has a lot like that, you know, in similar circumstances that he wants, but nobody is, nobody is gathering you all. Nobody is gathering you to explain it. We're just telling you, if it happened for me, then it happened to you. If, we, if God did it for me, no, that's not true. I know what it took for me to do this. I know the cost. I know the law. I know the assault. I know all of that. And in the midst of it all, I said, but I'm going to rule this thing for the Holy Ghost. I told him, I'm going to rule this for you, Jesus. I'm going to do it because it's a lousy thing that we let happen to your inheritance when you shed your blood and gave your life for us and we returned your sacrifice. We trampled it underfoot and we returned you this evil for good. Okay. <laughs> uh, How are you doing, Norm? Y'all hanging tough? Well, I wanted to go back. You you know, you've been talking today about, you talked earlier about the apostle, the pastor, these mantles. Um, and and ultimately, I wanted to get back real quick. Uh, ultimately, that prophets and apostles were built to be inseminators. And I wanted to go back to that discussion because the other question I had is, you know, when it comes to the apostle, is what God's going to do with this reset, is it going to be a major change in the voice and the presence of the apostle as we know it, or is it going to be a climatic change in the body of Christ that creates the rising of his apostles to their, their rightful place? You know, I'm curious about that. I just, you know, yeah, because, you know, we need to understand what we're, what we're walking into it and, and what this is going to look like. So I'm curious about that. I have heard over the last several decades that God is not going to move with a man or a woman. He's going to move with the masses. There is no biblical precedence for that doctrine. Because that's a democratic mindset. See, that's a democratic mindset where Jesus is the elected president or he's the elected official. There is no precedence from Genesis to Revelation. There is no precedence for God ever kicking off anything with the masses. He's always kicked it off with a person. He kicked off the law. Listen, he started with a single man. He then worked around there, and he ended up kicking off the restoration after um, Cain and Abel incident with Seth, one person. He turns around. We get Enoch, one person. We turn around. We get Noah, one person. We get Abraham, one person. I just love it. Don't you just love it? We get Isaac, Jacob in their course. One person, we move on down the line. When we get to the judges, we get Deborah, one person, all of those judges, one person. We move on down the line because this is a true stuff, the way it goes. We go from there, we start moving into Egypt. We, we get Joseph, one person. We get, we moving on down the line. We get, uh, what is it? Who, who, who's following Joseph? Um, I want to get it right now. Um, Moses. Okay. We got Moses, one person. And Moses has been with one person for like ever. He's still the one person, okay? And then he moves on down. Now, there are supporting characters in this cast, but I just want you to understand, initiating, God has never done that because he puts his fullness in the one person he chooses to disseminate it to the world. That one person then has to go and disseminate it to leaders, and we can go all the way down. We've got past Moses, and then we look at each king, one king, wherever their realm was, we go all the way down into that one David. We didn't have 15 of them. We had one David because God wanted to do another thing, to change another thing. We go all the way down till we get towards the end. We don't want to forget the one Samuel that he had who took over when Eli and those fell. 
And then we go down again. We had one million. We didn't get 15. We had one. The only time we ever saw a large group or cluster was the, the, the daughters of um, Philip that prophesied. Mm-hmm. But every, other than that, one person. We get to the planet, Jesus Christ. Um, excuse me, Lord Jesus, John the Baptist, one person. And then Jesus Christ, one person. And then we get the 12 apostles. And everybody said, wow, you are 12 apostles. No, we ended up with John. Wow. Okay, because when Jesus, when the apostles went out, John's twin brother gets killed. Mm-hmm. And then we turn around and don't know what happened to Peter. They got him off the Jerusalem Council. One person. Okay? And then we get this.
functions, but wanted to throw away all of the titles and all of the references to the structure. And what I, I guess the question I'm going to kind of throw back your direction, what I wonder is how much of, because you talked about the fact that, you know, the masses whole thing is that we don't want anyone to be better than the other, and that feeds into our lack of titles and our, our, our fear of titles and all those different things. Um, how much of what we're practicing today, it came out of just pure despise for what the Protestants moved out of versus what was actually biblical and what God wanted. And I know that might not be something you can answer in just a few, but I'm curious because just speak on it. But I need her to speak on this because so much of what we hold dear to us we cannot trace biblically. No, because by the time, the reason the Protestantism, the Protestants fought was because the Catholics had veered away from its foundation, which is scripture in the Bible. I mean, you look at the Geneva Bible and there's a lot of stuff in there. I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know, between the Geneva Bible and the Duray Rings yeah. Bible, yeah. you're like, okay, so do we know Jesus? Now, and so they had already veered away from it um, as far as that goes. The Protestants' ideal was that we're going to do Scripture and, and do God the way it's written. problem was by that time, the Catholics had already gotten rid of the prophets, and all of the monarchs and sovereigns were considered to be apostles. So we don't have prophets. So everything they did then, because there was, they got rid of the, the sovereigns were apostles, and they were the ones going out, making kingdoms and going out, you know, killing people and enlarging God's realm as far as the basilical side of it goes. But the ecclesial side was something that they permitted. So we started with the pastors, not even evangelists, just pastors, because they had to put those people under something. And even they understood that the pastor's office is that of the people. So... We go, they, they come up, they make it over here, we do the whole Mayflower thing, it's nice. Um, and they come over here, but they don't come over here with scripture, they now come over with constitution. And they insert, pull certain excerpts out of the Bible, out of the scriptures, to support their constitution, because they are no, as far as they're concerned, we don't need apostles since the church exists. Now, they, they broke down the church because they didn't like what it had become. Yeah to come over here to establish Christianity, and I think to preserve it in many ways. And so, again, but, they, but, but, but these people who came over to establish Christianity were pastors. And we know by brothers, what is that man's, I can't even think of his name, Fisher's, Dan Fisher's books and whatever, um, Barton and all of them, they are, and even when you talk to them, they don't want to talk to you about an apostle, they don't want to talk to you about a prophet, because that's not in their, their paradigm. They, yeah. they literally, paradigmically, they cannot fathom what you need an apostle for. Now, they, they somewhat warm up a little bit to perhaps that, but they don't want Jesus Christ in charge. In order for you to want an apostle in your life, you have got to want Jesus Christ to assume his rightful place yeah. in the realm of men, in the oh, realm of humanity. And, and unless you're willing to do that, that is why the Democrats are mad with the Republicans, why the liberals are fighting the conservatives, because the liberals are the, is the side that says, we want Satan in charge. And the Republicans say, yeah, but we kind of want Jesus in charge. Now, we're not sure what he's going to do, but we want him in charge. 
And so because every battle of dark and light, we use darkness and light. We use good and evil. Scripture just says Jesus is Satan. It's just that simple. It's that cut and dry. So the battles that you're fighting, why do you think that we're getting them saying ridiculous things like, um, how do they say it? That, um, these ridiculous things about, well, we're, from now on, we're going to be uncivil. From now on, we're going to be brutal. From now on, we're going to be cruel. And they're, they're listing that they are no longer going to politic you because they have to stop politicking you to persecute Christians, to persecute right, to persecute life. That's exactly, and they said, we will, they will, we will be uncivil. I said, you all are standing here telling us on national television that the Democrats, as you have known them, shall be no more. We will not be righteous. We will not be civil. We will not be honest. I mean, you're talking about them literally giving bail permission to their constituents to kill people. Read up on it. Don't take my word for it. To kill people, to bump rush people, in, and to go into mob mode whenever something, that, whenever, on cue, whenever they say something on you. They've got liberal words that they have encoded that speak to their own mobs that tells them when to go into disruption, when to go into assault mode. And you're talking about, wait a minute, but are we talking about the people that we want to run our country? Where are they going to run it? In the ground? I'm trying to figure this out. I have been, I've been on this planet a long time. It never done, and now we know they do all this stuff, but these people have already said, if you're looking for civility, don't look to us. If you're looking for fair play, don't look to us. If you're looking for conversation, if you're looking for compromise, don't look to us. Because our modus operation is to destroy and to, and to get it in your mind that if you, want, if you want to remain a tolerated American, you're going to have to go the Democratic way, and that means mob, and that means assault, and that means attack. And that means deception, and that means persecution, because you, nobody, see, sometimes people have to come in and clear the smoke. Uh, see, this smoke is about, because look at what they follow, witchcraft, they follow abortion, they follow homosexuality, they follow fornication, they follow deceit, they follow perversion. Look at what their agenda is, because you don't have to worry, understand, an agenda like that can only be one through incivility or uncivility. You can't win it any other way. We want babies to continue to be killed, aborted, and sold for body parts. We want that. These people over here called conservatives are in our way. So we need to discredit them, but we need to do it by bullying because they are too refined to hit us back the way we will. So we're going to do it by bullying, and we're going to do it by, by uh, lies, and we're going to do it by all kinds of name calling, and then we have to just talk. What did they just say? Hillary's comments said what? We'll get physical. We'll get violent. They must have been reading Jesus' words. (laughs) But I'm saying that to you, for you all to understand, if you thought this was about your favorite political disaback, it is no longer that. They have pulled the gloves off. They have pulled back the veil. They have pulled out their weapons. This is not a political thing. This is all about darkness and light. Jesus and Satan, it's all about sin and righteousness, but most importantly, it's all about what power will win the soul of America. 
So when you go and do, you do all of that, Connor, you can have all of those arguments you want. That's your conditioning talking because your eyes are open. But I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know the hope of this glory, that you may understand the word. I pray that God opens your eyes so that you will no longer be ignorant of Satan's devices, that you'll be able to see by the Holy Ghost in you, by the spirit of truth in you, what the real issue is and what's really at stake. And it's not your political views. And it hasn't been your political views since before Obama. And if there was a little, political, little bit of residual, he killed that. The man killed that. Look it up on the thing. The man was the number one LGBT minister in his city. That should have told you. And yet we voted for him because we think it's political. I'm telling you, this is not political. This is persecution. And persecution has a goal. Do you have more? Do you have more? Did she have some? Did you want to give her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, well, you said poor learners are like incendiary devices, always waiting to explode. I tell you, I think the greatest challenge we have had in the AIP program overall. Mm-hmm is the acceptance of the amount of brain power it takes to do this job. Yeah. <laughs> it has this program. <laughs> now, we know you're smart. You're Dr. Bryce. You want to make sure we read your book. But see, your academician side, mm-hmm. which, people don't need a lot. which is different from your author side, is a whole other level. Yeah. Our orientation syllabus to the AIP program is 35 pages, okay? That's the orientation to the program. And it lays everything down for how you need to shape your mind and begin to think. But here's what happens. Because if you don't have the tracks in your brain <laughs> to put that train on, it just rolls right off. You're like, wow, yeah, yeah, wow, that's deep. Ooh, everything's deep with that right. Ooh, that's deep. Yeah, that's good, that's good. Moving on. You get in the homework, you start doing the thing, you do whatever. You find this heat rising. Now, <laughs> I've been in school with you before, so I was, you know, I was ready for the program and the process. So that I wasn't there uh, with that, but dealing with the other people over the years mm-hmm. and the, the smoke and flames that do begin <laughs> to come off of you and the things that come out of your mouth and what's really hiding in your soul about how you don't want to be trained to do this job. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be schooled. You certainly don't want to be corrected and somebody grading your homework in Because that is what you earned on your apostleship homework. <laughs> A big fat red F because these are not answers. This is not study. This is not research. Did I would go back and look at it? More I tell them, Dr. Price is an author, an accomplished author. So you actually need to write in complete sentences. Your answers need to be complete thoughts on a high academic level. And it is true that the the greatest resistance beyond people believing apostles can mm-hmm. be trained and schooled academically, which you address in this here book, is the mental brick wall you face mm-hmm. as an apostle in training mm-hmm. against that training because it has been hammered, it's been reinforced. Training has been condemned in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize how that jumps up 
every time you sit down to do your homework in the beginning, when you go to read. And so you want to say, oh, this is so hard. This is so hard. Actually, it's not. It's hard because we have been indoctrinated to believe. Just like we've been indoctrinated to believe that Jesus is only love. So when we, or at least mainly love, so when we get into all of this, bless God, and love isn't in here. I just want you to know. Well, everybody got it covered. <laughs> it's not here. Everybody has it covered. It's not here. And when you do jump in, and when she gets to saying God is a, think- is a thinker, and those of our students who have been with us a long time, many of them have had that article mm-hmm. and those assignments that completely change your life. Um, but that incendiary device, yeah, waiting to just blow up at the reality that it takes this much sacrifice. Uh, she said it to someone. She said it very well. She said, well, we all know when you take higher education, your whole life is disrupted. Mm-hmm. You get angry because this is disrupted yeah. constantly, incessantly to your life. Help, 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 many. And I love it. This is and, and I got a job, and I got a ministry, and I got a, I got it. Right. And, and it's like when it clicks, this is master's level. This is post-secondary. This is higher education. And here is the challenge. People haven't had the general education. Yeah. Which is what I tried to do. Which is where we start. But you write. She writes. People, she writes. I'm telling you, there's no end to your writing and your ability. But this is one of my favorite statements. I have my notes written all over the thing. About under the heading heading of inward and instinctual knowledge, unlike academic, is that section. And she breaks down the difference between taught, caught, academic education, what it does, where where your um, inward and instinctual knowledge falls short, yeah. and where are the academic pieces. And so she says here, regret, regrettably, now this is the second paragraph because this first one just sets it up, <laughs> but regrettably, typical of the classic charismatic mindset, the easy way is celebrated as the best way, which is what you mm-hmm. hit on today. Despite the goal of education, which you started with, in any form, being multifold and mainly futuristic. Mm. To me, that sums up how we got in trouble, mm. how we got here, celebrating that the easy way is the best way mm-hmm. because it's the most affirmative. People are going to feel so. I mean, we can see this replicating in the school system. Your yeah. child left behind, everybody just being passed or failing, mm-hmm. not being really tested, homework not really being homework. Our kids in our church who are in um, one of the best school districts in really in the nation, actually mm-hmm. here, cry mm-hmm. every week because they have real homework. <laughs> One of our teenagers was up like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, last Saturday, Sunday, talking about what I had to Because there were no AP classes, they will succeed yeah. because they are made to conform and to think. Um, and so that statement just made me think about this entire training program, mm-hmm. which is why our orientation that we're having with this new class is going to begin with the obstacles that you face, but why you would consider them an obstacle yeah. when it really may not be. It's exactly. What makes them call it that? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's powerful stuff. Powerful. One of the uh, many of the things, because I just thank God all the time. Ooh, hallelujah. But I thank God all the time for what he's given me. And then over these last several years, I've been able to finish the textbooks so that this is not about, you know, me shooting from the hip. And they'll tell you, our textbooks are laced 
is not laden with scripture. Because we represent the man Jesus Christ. Remember, we're going after being expert in everything Jesus Christ. So then I don't really need all of that. Now, they do have to do classes in other streams and other talks and, and read other apostles' work and, and all of that, but all only for comparative and contrast purposes because we stay right on the scripture because, after all, we are scripture organic, culturally modified. So we are about that in apostolic Christianity because that's it's the, the apostolic Christians are how God took the planet. We don't want to remember that. Now, given they were, you know, slaughtered, we were being chopped up, they, the lions were getting us for dinner and all of that. But when God got ready, he raised up a civil leader, a monarch, who said, if you give me this battle, I'm, you're going to be the God of our nation. That is what he means by, you know, go disciple the nations, getting to those civil leaders, getting to those world leaders. And whatever, because that's what Satan did. That's why they all gone to these little underground meetings and carrying on with darkness, because they don't know how powerful Jesus is. But they're about to find out. And so this pact, God is dealing with the pact that he is not letting happen. I want to tell you this, because this is important. You can make bank on this. The Lord has stopped this runaway train, which is why we have a hard reset. It wasn't that God couldn't fix the problem. It was never that Jesus was too impotent to fix the problem. It was always could he find a man or a woman who would stand in the gap so he would not destroy the land. God knows he can right now. God can wipe out of, wipe out all of these all of this stuff right now. One fell swoop. We got, he, he owns the button. He made the button. Oh, yes. So he can wipe this all out and put his people in power. But when he empowers them, will they remain his people? Mm. Or will he have gone through all of that work and all of that effort for nothing? He can't put people in power who don't understand politics, geopolitical environment, who won't understand, who can't answer the questions, who can't, all we can do is pray and prophesy. He He doesn't need prayer and prophecy in secular or kingdom sovereign issues. He needs strategy. He needs intelligence and tactics. He needs policies. He needs debaters and people who can argue his point like Paul did and persuade his leaders that this is the best way. When we look back at the fact that God gave his church 2,000 plus years of dominion, that is no small feat. So when we Think about, you, you walk around and you listen to these people say, yeah, well, you know, um, God, is, God, God can't do anything. We all know that Jesus can't. No, Jesus is not impotent. His people are. He's not incapable. His people are. That's why his people could be talked out of his glory and out of his greatness and into that of the dragon. So the lion and the dragon are about to face off. And the lamb is just going to sit down and say, I'll hold y'all close. Because that's what hard reset means. This is not our fight in the sense of us fisticuffing. I don't know. It might happen. I don't know about that. I don't. But I do know this. God could have fixed this at any time. He tried. I remember them telling me all of the pastors that voted for homosexuality, all of the pastors that believe in abortion. Now, these are the ones that were the gatekeepers. His gatekeepers literally his gate. 
So God said, my own, because you know he kept telling me he was going to do this. He said, so my own arm got me the victory. My own arm, he said, I have to do it myself. So you all need to be prepared. We are no longer fighting as five-folders clashing with each other. We're no longer fighting as three-folders. Right now, to be honest with you, we're the prize. We're the trophy. Because God has a hand-picked army. God's going elite. See, before he was, you know, all of us, he was, he was going, you know, to be honest with you, he was just going as teams. We're no longer doing team thing. This is a force. He sent an angelic task force into the planet, not just to guard a task force to carry out his affairs. He himself is here. And we're going to hear about that in not too long from now in the not too distant future. But God is doing this for himself. He said, my own arm. When Jesus came, Jesus came the first time as God's arm taking over the world. He said, my right arm. So he's not leaving this to us, but he would love to include you in this task force so that you would be collaborating with his invisible agents and powers. He would love to include you but not with the old. It's interesting how people say, well, I just, you know, I'm just going to stay with so-and-so, and I'm just going to stay with this one. And it's interesting to hear them say, but I, isn't that how the problem got here? Isn't that how we got here? <laughs> so God wants to convert you. He wants to, he wants to enlist you. He wants to convert you, and then he wants to dispatch you or deploy you to do what he needs. Because God is, it can always fix her problems. If it doesn't make any difference to God. He can always fix those problems. If it means that he just got to stop it. But ideally, he said he made the earth for the children of men. And what God wants to do, I'm, I'm going to say a statement that I think is going to trigger a firestorm of question. But what God wants to do is he wants to begin to this hard reset apocalyptically. The apocalypse of the sons or children of God. We're waiting for the manifestation. See, we have, so you read your Bible, and if you all go to that passage, you read your Bible, and you'll see most translations says, say manifestation, but it is not. It's not. It's the word apocalypse and phanerosis. Those are the words that he's using, both of which speak to his realm. So God, help me, somebody. I got this. What's the What are going to do? Boom. Hit that bell. So God, when Romans talks about the manifestation of the sons or the children of God, God literally is saying that when we, when we'll know we're ready, well, we can handle and take this thing off apocalyptically. And we can only do it apocalyptically when the apostles are in their right place, fully equipped, fully educated, trained, and authorized. And, that, and how are we going to know that? There needs to be an authentication process. So you look up there and he said manifestation. No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about. But see, manifestation is a very innocuous term, isn't it? Yes. But apocalypse, now, that's something else. Now we're talking about dramatic things. We're talking about dynamic. Yes. And so that, and that phrase, man, I, I did a teaching. When did I do a teaching? I don't even remember. But yes, there's the apocalypse, is, that's when I made it. Yes. In uh, 99. Yep. And that's how long he's been waiting. God wants to get you apocalyptic. See, because you need to understand that apocalyptic is not diaconate. 
It's not just the church minister. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about now creation-wide powers. God wants to release, um, um, I mean, un, when I say, um, I mean, unrestricted power to his children. He doesn't have to, I say release, because when you get born again, it's already in you as a container. But if you don't go the way God goes to get him to open it up, if you're never going to get it. But this world has never seen the apocalyptic side of the new creation. It has never seen. Now, I will say this, this generation. This generation. And there is a thing that God wants to do that he wants to release. Let me tell you something. The best thing God did was lock everything down in the church because those apostles and those apostolic Christians were very different. <laughs> very different. They were, they were like, what? No. And and, and, and it's unfortunate that they edited so much of the power out of Scripture, but they did it to lull you into a sense of complacency right. and surrender so they wouldn't have to fight with you. It's almost like how they used to do with nations. They would turn around there and get the whole nation on drugs so the, the nation wouldn't fight back. And so they would make drugs their, their, their prime control weapon. Oh, is that like they're doing with America right yeah, now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because if you got the only way you can take out a mighty nation is to drug them into not knowing they're being destroyed. Now that's an age-old strategy, and you can tell, read a lot of documents, or watch documentaries, and read it. And so, what what God wants to do now is first of all, He wants to get you off your addiction, and then He wants to get you out of nursing your afflictions. And then he'd like to get your attention so that he can train you to be apocalyptic. Because that's what it is. The whole earth, the reason the earth is still growing is because we still think it is manifesting. Manifesting is a passive thing. This is like a show up. This is not passive. This is an active thing. The manifestation of the children of God. The new creation that new creature in Christ Jesus, we've not seen that in that. But we're about to, because God is taking back his sons and help. I know you do. Okay, so back in the beginning of the broadcast today, you said a good church will prime you but doesn't always prepare you. And I think that this question might represent several of your audience, so that's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose this. But how do you know when you are shifting because God is calling you out of that ministry to prepare you for greater things or when you are shifting from rebellion? You know, that answer is actually in my ABCs of apostleship too. Discipling. Discipling apostolic Christians. And I believe it's either chapter 7 or 9. If you have that book, you can read about it. But rebellious people are always looking to have their way, and if, when they can't, they want to take their marbles, take their ball, and go home. So they're always going to do it. So what we have to do is, is observe 
the rebellious one or the resistant one's behavior. They're always going to push themselves in. They're always going to tell you they don't need the training. They're going to tell you they don't need the attend church. They're going to tell you they don't need anybody to, to validate them. They don't need anybody to teach them. They know God for themselves. God talked to them personally, and God told them to come there and help you. Like, you've been in existence for whatever. They just got saved like 13 minutes yeah. ago. But they came to help you. <laughs> You know, and so, and again, that's part of that kind of, uh, of disruptive gospel uh, doctrine that we've had out there. So that person, they, they're always, because they're always, um, you know, ego seizing, and they're always position climbing. So I, I came here, God told me I'm an apostle, and so I'm an apostle to you. No, you're not, baby. You're not even an apple. Meaning, you know, the apple and apostle has a definition, so you can know that. But, you know, so you're not really a sick one. Nobody, God didn't see you here to help me. He sent you here to become a sheep. Most of those people, before God puts them in office, he mandates that the spiritual God in their life compel them to become sheep first. Because you can never be a shepherd if you've never been a good sheep. You will be, your shepherd is exactly how they were as a sheep. That's why you have so many little, little um, nodes on the body of Christ calling themselves churches. Because they got mad because somebody told them they needed to come to so-and-so. They got mad because some, they, wanted to, they wanted to attend the pastor. The pastor said, I need you on the door. They got angry about all of the protocols and all of the structure and institutions of the church and the, the, the conventions. They got angry with that. And so what they did is they took their marble and four little disgruntled souls with them <laughs> and they became a nose. <clears throat> but they did. Mm -hmm. That's why you can, you know, every city has church row, just like every city has bar row. You know, Hello. people will pick at all of the churches on there and never talk about all of the taverns. Hello. Because, Hello. I mean, because you're talking about, honey, intoxication is intoxication. Now, let's take the other example. This is the person who served God, who loves God, who knows what God said, and this is what they how they respond to God. God, I know you said that I'm an apostle. I know you said that I'm a prophet, but I'm a, I will keep it to myself until somebody recognizes it and confirms it. I'm telling you, I kept mine to myself seven, eight years, and I just waited, and I waited until God finally was like, and he sent a, a team of prophets into my church and said, you know, you call, I know you really did, but you really called to be an apostle. And, everywhere, and after that, God started doing So I said, well, if that's the case, what do I do? The first thing that crossed my mind was how to, I have to learn how to be this. I just can't go and just be who I am and say I'm something different. I have to learn how to do this. And so I did. And I put time and effort into learning, et cetera. And then God began to train me. Now, he trained me because I'm a founding apostle, which was why I'm a chief apostle, because I'm part of the foundation, um, which is the difference that you should know, and not a church apostle like Junior and Andronicus or uh, Apollos. Um, so he started teaching me himself. And he, and, but every time he taught me, it was hard. I get these great lessons way already, and boy, hell, to slap me. I'm telling you, my training angel was no joke. That brother... I mean, oh God, the Holy Ghost. Mm -mm. When people say they learn from God and they're still in rebellion and they're still sloppy and they're still fornicating, but not, I was like, you need to find out what God trained you. Woo! Because you've been trained by the wrong God. Because the first thing God is going to have you go into is righteousness and holiness. 
the first thing he's going to teach you is the Lord your God. So what he said is your, your whole, uh, the Lord your God, he's holy. The first thing he's going to deal with is holy. And the second thing he's going to deal with is idolatry. Hatred. Because idolatry to God is competition. It's rivalry. It's his creature rivaling, rivaling him as a creator. So that's why he has a problem with idolatry. So and so he he's gonna go on and then there's all and then he goes into all of the other things that he wants you he wants you to learn his constitution. So you next thing comes into the law. You're gonna learn the law of God and every law that's embedded in winning those laws. Now I know you all, part of you all have been misled because people told you that the law is done away with. There is no scripture in there that says the law is done away with at all. It's uh, it really he's talking about the rituals. Now, and he's not, he's, he's talking about the literal rituals. Like, you know how y'all churches like to honor the feast? That's done away with. Because Jesus ate the feast. So now they're in him. And holy days. But the law, because we have to separate the law from the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. God still doesn't want to be number two, three, four, five, and six. Right. He still doesn't want you to beat up his family. He still doesn't want you sleeping with your neighbor's wife. He still doesn't want you lying, bearing false witness, and stealing. He still, he's the same God, but those are his character. His character law. His character codes. God has codes. Just like us, we have personality, we have preferences, we have things that we're not going to tolerate. When we write them down, we can call them our commandments, we can call them our edicts. If you want to get along with me, your, your church did it, your school does it, your government does it, and that's what God has. Now, he will let you figure out the other ritualistic things as you go along, but it's the same. So God is going to train you. And then after he trains you, he's going to grill you. And after he grills you, he's going to whoop your behind. Because your, because your soul was born in iniquity. It was born in sin, rather, and shaped by iniquity. So you can't, he's got to make you quit your sin and know why. Because remember, you've got to be able to pass this on and change others the way he's changing you. So you're going to be in trial after trial after trial. Now, I know you hear a lot of people say, no, God doesn't, but I don't know. A lot of saints are sick today. A lot of saints' kids are gone today. A lot of saints are not having the best of God today. So a lot of them are strange. God's not talking to them at all. And so there is a process that God has. So if you have submitted to all of that under a pastor, God knows he can trust you to be trained as his apostle. Because quality sheep hate to leave their post because they know the problem and the gap it will have. So they're going to handle it differently. They're going to have a showdown with the pastor. I don't care what you say. I know what God said. When a sheep stands in front of me and says, I don't care what you say, they have lost me for good. Because if you don't understand even basic etiquette and protocol, then we have a problem. Is that good? Oh, we came to the end. Did, is, do you have any... <laughs> you have any um, announcements? Mm-hmm. Yes, I can go. Uh, you can go to drpaulaprice.com to sign up mm-hmm. for the classes. You can also go to Dr. Price's Facebook to sign up for classes. We've got a lot of different ways that you can interact with Dr. Price and get signed up. But I think the best thing is to sow a seed. That's exactly where I was going. I think that the best announcement is we need is we need to sow a seed, guys. It's time to pass that plate. So we're going to give you our text to give, 918-608-1378. We're also going to give you our cash app. Dr. Price's cash app is the cash app tag, which is a dollar sign, Dr. Paula Price. 
or paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. Guys, it's time to collect that seed today. This word has been rich. We have been blessed, and we are being changed by this. When you're being provoked to change, you've got to sow back into that ground that changed you. So I want you to go ahead and take a moment. Let's sow that seed right now. Again, the text to give is 918-608-1378. The cash app is um, the dollar sign, and then Dr. Paula Price is her cash tag, and then paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. I'm going to make sure that you sow that gift today because y'all want her to be here next week, right? You want Dr. Price to be here. Well, you got to sow that. You want me to be on television. My goal (laughs) is that I can afford to do the the global television that you all say that I should have. We need equipment, and we need um, airtime budget. We need them. I, I, I'm the I'm here. I'm able to bring the talent. I can bring it, okay? I can bring the world and all of that. But what we need, and we need opportunities and open doors. I need intercessors. Yes. I need interveners. If you come to the spiritual intervention class, you'll understand the two needs. But we need that. But I, you, I can't do this without you. Yes. I know people say, I don't care. I don't need your money. Baby, if I was a multi-billionaire, you know why I would take your money? Not because I need it, because you need to sow to become a billionaire. Because you've got to give into that which you want to be enriched by. That's the way it works. That's the law of the kingdom. What do you think business is? What do you think sales and marketing is? Somebody comes up with a product. Somebody needs it. They sell it. These people are better for the product, or they can use the product for their own prosperity, and on it goes. But most importantly, please know, I need you all to back me in this. Let's get this word out here because other people need to be set free too. See you Sunday, Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands, 10 a.m., Sunday school, 8 a.m. Have a great weekend. God bless you.